everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Please don't hate it. I'm your week's host, Philip, and I'm here with my good friends, Pontus and Ned. And this week, I had the pleasure of choosing the wonderful ninth installment in the Friday the 13th series called Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday. And uh, I'm very keen on hearing you guys' thoughts about this movie. But uh, yeah, want to do a quick rundown on what happened in this masterpiece. Yeah, so for the record, this is the first full Friday the 13th movie I'm watching. That's not the, the remake. So it's going to be somewhat hard for me to describe exactly everything in detail, but I'm going <laughs> to try. And so the movie starts with this like fake fake out of this woman uh, like being in a cabin and she's she's going through all the motions of a typical horror movie where she's uh, going in a room and the lights go out and it's like oh i need to go find the blah 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 blah. she takes a shower where she gets of course news because like they need to have at least three nude women in every slasher movie and then uh, jason comes out and starts uh, hunting her and for some reason she has super agility she's just jumping and running and like doing everything she, she can to avoid him until she escapes from the house runs away does a somersault over a thing and in then towel, out of nowhere yeah in a towel yeah and then out of nowhere a whole army platoon basically of police officers just appear and start shooting jason and he's just standing there like with, they put on the spot like these huge spotlights is shoot, uh, showing at him and they're just shooting him and going all out war on him until they eventually go like fire in the hole or like get out and then like i think a mini nuke or something drops on jason and he gets absolutely blown to bits and at the same time as this is happening they see it cuts to uh this guy standing in the clearing who looks he looks a lot like a pickup artist because he's wearing like the big uh, cowboy hat and the uh, bolo tie and everything looking very cool and he just goes like he starts like oh yeah you guys don't know what you're doing and uh yeah that's the start of the movie they killed jason and then it cuts to them bringing jason to a morgue where a doctor starts going through his body like doing a, a rundown of what happened to him and uh, talking about how he has a burned face and a lot of bullet wounds and so on until jason's heart starts beating again and he gets very ups- like he gets very cautious about it, but then I don't know where he picks up the heart and starts sucking on it and eating on it, which That's I assume means that yeah, yeah, of course, like Hi. who hasn't? And then he starts he start he starts drinking the blood from the heart, and then lightning starts shooting from Jason's dead body that has lot that is just like split up in sixteen different parts, and these really nice looking, really uh, big trouble in little China effects of lightning shooting out from jason's body hitting the corner's body and uh, then this corner becomes jason uh, like without the body like he, he he's the same guy visually but he becomes jason and then the second corner comes in and he gets also super killed by the corner and then the corner goes out and he kills the other people and that sort of st- sets up the uh, the basic gist of the movie is that the whole nation thinks that oh jason is dead but Jason is actually not dead, and they're kind of questioning, is he dead or not? And that's where it cuts back on TV. The guy who was watching in the clearing from the killing, who is uh, this, like, yeah, he looks like a pickup artist, but he's actually like uh, a survivor kind of guy who builds his own uh, nuclear holocaust uh, bunker shelter. And they define him as a, a bounty hunter, and this is his bounty hunting trading compound. 
yeah, yeah, and it uh, it looks like he should be on Tiger King or something. And he starts talking that he knows the only way to kill Jason, and the only way to kill Jason, if you want to find out about uh, find find out about it, you need to pay him five hundred thousand dollars. So a guy on TV, the guy is, yeah, <laughs> and a guy on TV that's presenting the whole thing, he says that if he can actually prove that he knows how to kill Jason and that Jason still lives and he can kill him, he will give him the money himself. And then it cuts back to the old town where Crystal Lake is, where it uh, shows like, uh, what do you call it? A diner or a restaurant? I'd say it's a diner. Yeah, so they're having this whole thing. Yeah. So they're having this whole thing about like, oh, Jason is dead now. Now you can order these uh, like uh, Jason hockey mask burger buns, which is really stupid because you can't really see that there are holes in the buns if you're eating a hamburger so it's i think they just do yeah i i think they're actually like i i think there's uh an underlying theme there that they're trying to save money and they're doing that by removing parts of the patties so that's because the the whole theme of the burger the diner is that the woman who owns it is this really despicable woman who she looks a lot like did anyone watch the drew carey show no Okay. Oh, well, she looks like a woman from that show, and she acts like him. Uh, I like love her. the actress's name. Her name is Rush, Rusty Swimmer. I, <laughs> I can. I, I'm pretty sure she does, she's not good at swimming. Basically, no, uh, she, she was, but she's a bit. Rusty she used now. to be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This movie, I, this movie, like, uh, if I want to speak about her a bit, I think she kind of cements the whole thing that this movie is from a decade or a time when it was a lot easier to make a movie. Because you can just go, ah, the fat person is a stupid person, or the fat person is disgusting. It, it was a different time. Like, I, think, I don't think I this think is it's... like established. She's like, I mean, she's like a, you know, she's a hard, uh, hard-hitting businesswoman. She figured out, you know, how to profit from, you know, people uh, touristing to Crystal Lake. You now that Jason is dead, and she's, you know, making ends meet. And she's like, and, uh, I mean, we'll get to it later. But she's also like established, as you know, she has a. Uh, a heart deep in there when the the baby is left at the restaurant. The little ray of sunshine. I mean, we we'll get there. I I think that restaurant is kind of interesting because I haven't watched the other Friday the Thirteenth movie, so I can't really tell if it's that uh, like thematically. But it got it gave me a lot more uh, Chainsaw Massacre vibes of the diner than it does uh, a, a regular slasher movie. Much more uh, like this because uh, everyone who's working in in the restaurant is. A part of the family so the short cook like he's not a short cook he's actually a short cook like he's not very tall <laughs> he's uh, the husband of the the owner of it and then the son is also the like the son of the mother who owns the whole place the woman who has also the most horrible lipstick ever uh, like is it is it that kind of ointment <laughs> you put on your lips or is it actually a real lipstick because it's blue like it complete blue or purple blue silver-ish like the, the, the hairstyle like, every woman had, I think is like is that color that every woman had like in 2018. Like yeah. I, I think I remember the Instagram trend. She was way ahead of her time. Yeah, yeah. Except Trends she didn't put it in her hair. She put it, <laughs> she put it on her lips. Uh, so one of the women who's working there, if I got it correctly, she's the mother of a character who's been important in previous Friday the Thirteenth movies, which we later on find out is actually the brother no the 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 sister of jason if i'm correct because i had uh, a real hard time understanding who's who okay yeah Isn't so this, this is like the 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 first the, the ninth entry in the series is like the first movie that's like actually tries to go 
somewhere with the lore. So, I mean, you're not... <laughs> it Like, I get that you're confused, but, like, nothing has really happened before this movie, plot-wise. So it's just established that the woman who works there is the unlegitimate sister of Jason Warhey. What? And they never established this in the previous movies. No. They, nothing then, like this is ever established. There's literally no lore in the... Like, there's extremely little, like, actual story in these movies until this movie. It felt like we should already know it. Yeah, no, this... This is all. This is new to everyone's ever seen these movies before. Oh my god! I got flashbacks back to when I went to see the second Avengers movie in the cinema with my dad, and he's he's just asking me like, "Is that Th- like is that Hulk?" But I thought Hulk was uh, Luferigno. Like he had no <laughs> idea of the connection to anything. So it felt like I was coming into a middle of an established universe and had no idea who's who. Yeah, so but like, so it, uh, it's how it like, felt. Yeah, if, uh, like a bit of backstory for this because this is like the. Uh, in this movie, uh, Sean S. Cunningham returns as producer of the series, and he was the guy who directed the first movie. And he's like on record for being, you know, kind of. I mean, he loves the money, but he's not a fan of the franchise. Like, he doesn't like the whole hockey mask thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in the first movie, Jason is, isn't really a character. There's no hockey mask, so he returned to produce this movie uh, after getting the rights back. Because it used to be on Paramount, and now this is the first movie that's on uh, New Line Cinema. That's why it's also they bought the right to the character Jason, but not to Friday the Thirteenth. That's why this movie is not called Friday the Thirteenth because uh, Paramount still had those rights. Ah, um, okay. And, and he, he yeah, so he he gave uh, like he was like, okay, yeah, I produced this, and he gave the director job to uh, uh, Adam Marcus, who just like the movie what last week, twenty three years old when he directed this movie. And he just said to him, like, yeah, do whatever you want, just don't use the fucking hockey mask. <laughs> it showed. And although it and was like they a, did use the hockey mask. Yeah, in the end, it was like a plot point for the next thing, did, I did, assume. Did, did, they, did they do those scenes like the day when the producer wasn't there and they were like, oh, we can't redo the shots. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. we're going to have to use them. No, that was, that was actually the director's idea. Uh, oh, they had, I think, uh, I mean, New Line Cinema own, owns the rights to uh, uh, Nightmare on Elf Street. And they, yeah. I think they bought the right to Jason just to do like the a Freddy versus Jason kind of thing. Uh, but they had, they had like no concrete plans for it. And then the director, like independent, like wouldn't it be cool to have Freddy Krueger in this? And he just like called up the directors <laughs> and uh, the producers, sorry. And he like heard them high-fiving like, yeah, fuck, do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's also another hint in the movie that's not really something they really point out we're going to get to later. So... At that point, they're showing this uh, place, this uh, diner, and the woman working there is apparently the illegitimate sister of Jason Voorhees. And then another guy comes into the place and starts talking about someone in the family. I, I couldn't really tell. And then, like, he, he's... I thought he was a love interest of the woman who's working in the diner, who's the sister. But then it turns out that he's actually, like, the previous boyfriend of the, uh, Jason Voorhees' sister's daughter yes and this is also and, a main character in the movie by the way we just randomly get introduced to him quite yeah, late and, in the movie and when they're showing when they're showing like when they're talking about this is like there was a scene i had to rewind because like a couple of times because i was like wait what's going on it's when the mother is calling uh, when the daughter is calling the mother and they're showing like the daughter holding the baby and also it, she's talking about the new guy she's dating and the guy she's dating, like you see him in the background, and that's actually the guy who did the 
news thing in the beginning where he says that he's gonna pay the bounty hunter Duke to uh, kill Jason. And she's like, oh, you will never guess who I started dating. And he's standing in the back. <laughs> and when they're talking about this, she says, hi, mom. And I had to like go back because I was like, wait, did she say hi, I am mom or mom? Because <laughs> there's no way they are like mother and daughter because they look almost like it looks like they're a like, two year difference between them. <laughs> and that's when I started thinking, like, OK, is there a connected universe here? I don't understand. Like I haven't had any experience with. So... From that point, Jason just goes and kills, uh, as the corner, he goes and kills a couple of kids who have gone up to Crystal Lake, and they have gone up to the Crystal Lake because they are like, oh yeah, we can finally go out there and have premarital sex and smoke a, 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 smoke, a, uh, smoke a dope? Is that what they say? Smoke dope? You smoke one dope. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A single dope for and everyone. One, <laughs> and, one of the, one, and on their way there, when they're talking about this, they're picked up by the guy who is... The daughter's ex-boyfriend is also apparently the father of the child. But they never really talk about their previous relationship. They never talked about them falling out or anything. They just Do they? briefly mention that he like bailed on her while she was pregnant. Missed that. And all this time I'm thinking that he's like the ex-boyfriend of the mother because they look way more like they <laughs> all of them look to be in the same age. It, it kind of reminded me of that movie with uh, uh, Justin Timberlake when he's the same uh, age as his mother because they have that time in oh, time, in yeah. time, yeah, yeah, in times where, where it's like, oh, look, it's isn't it kooky that Justin Timberlake's mother is Olivia Wilde? She can be my mom. I think this movie was a trendsetter for In Time, and uh, so this guy who's the daughter's ex-boyfriend, also the father of the grandchild. No, I'm really bad at familiar familiar connections. Uh, he is like, oh no, I can't come with you and have premarital sex at Crystal Lake because he picks them up as hitchhikers. Because I need to go and meet a friend. Because earlier, the mother, uh, the sister of it's really see it's really confusing when you don't really <laughs> like the, when the names are so unimportant. So he has been told that he has to go and meet the sister of Jason Voorhees at eleven o'clock in the evening because she, need, she needs to talk about something. And honestly, I don't. Did did they establish what she wanted to talk to him about? No. Did did they did no. they explain that? No. She I just goes know. like, hey, I need you to come over and meet me at eleven o'clock. We need to talk about something, and then maybe, I, never... I think she maybe. I think, I think it might be something like because her daughter was heading to Crystal Lake, yeah, like show up the baby, uh, and I so think maybe she maybe was like, like discuss, away. yeah, like something about you know uh, the child or like uh, the daughter coming to visit. I, I guess I, I thought it was going to be something like I need to tell you I'm actually I'm the reborn Jason Voorhees or something like it was going to be something <laughs> more related to the actual plot of the movie of Jason Voorhees or something but they don't do anything about that. So he drops him off at Crystal Lake, then they go and get killed by the corner, who has a really good kill scene. Like I think the kill scene he has there is, I love this when she's standing in front of the, she's uh, riding this guy in the tent, and then he just takes one of those tent poles and just yeah. shoves it in through her, her uh, through her uh, like heart, and then she rips it up and splits her open, so she uh, becomes like a wishbone. Amazing and practical I, effect. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and the, the like the wildest thing is absolutely. like this this whole sequence with him picking up the hitchhikers and this kill uh, was like it was a reshoot. They added this after test test screenings like six months later because the producers felt like they needed more gore in the movie. They were right, uh, and it, like it, it, it's it's a really cool scene. Uh, I also like he uh, there this like because um, previously in slasher movies it's only been like oh sex is bad if you have sex. You will die. 
but in this movie, like they're in the tent and they're like, oh, should we use the condom? And they actually <laughs> decide against using a condom. And there's this scene when Jason just steps on the condom and like, okay, now they die because they, they choose to have unsafe sex. Sex is fine, but unsafe sex, no, they get you killed. I love that. And those two, the two actors that are performing the sex scene, uh, they, I think that they used to date and then broken up a few days before shooting this scene. <laughs> Which is quite and impressive. You, that they can, and, and you, you can't tell it. because it's it's a. Uh, I would say it's it it feels like any other movie that sex scene would have been fifteen seconds shorter, and this one was like, yeah, we really need to see her actually about to climax while riding this guy. Which yeah. I guess it was like a pretty progressive move at the time, except for the fact that they get killed for the fact that she's getting an orgasm. There are a lot of. Uh, weirdly progressive takes in this movie <laughs> as it moves along i think that scene when he 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 says that like oh i, I really hate using these in condoms and i thought if this movie was made in 2021 she would have gone like okay then we can't have sex go fuck yourself bye but in this time she's like okay she just picks it up and throws away nonchalantly like yeah i'm a cool girl i don't <laughs> I, I don't need a condom to have sex so but she does have an orgasm so it's a pretty progressive movie in that sense and uh, <laughs> and also we talked about this earlier uh, before we started report- recording. I asked like, did that scene have any importance to the plot? But you know, no. And then when you say that it's a reshoot, it makes total sense because it has no bearing on the movie. It's just a detour for yeah. uh, Jason. Yeah, no, like, but it's, it's 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 great still. Like, yeah, I think it's visually absolutely the best, at least top three of the kills in the movie. Like, there are a lot of them that are pretty damn good. And uh, from here, the rest of the movie is pretty much Jason goes and kills someone and then his body dies and he needs to absorb someone else. And what he does is that he puts his tongue on them. And I, I can say this movie might have the first time we have a man-on-man kiss, kissing scene in a movie that it's not gay because neither of them are gay and it's not affectionate. I don't know if that that's you true. know of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that I know of. It it didn't seem very passionate because one of them was dying and it was involved a black tongue that looked like a snake. No, but there is a hard. lot of uh, homoeroticism in this movie overall. Like that, the lead up to that mm-hmm. scene. I mean, the Jason as the coroner, like basically kidnaps this policeman and starts shaving him while he's naked, tied up on a table. So it's like almost some sort of BDSM thing going on there, uh, and it's. Very strange and weirdly erotic. I thought about when that scene came up. I thought because they kind of like afterwards you kind of find out that the reason he did it was because he's going to take over this guy's body. Yeah, but it doesn't explain the shaving at all. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> no. I thought like, huh, I wonder if there's like some connection to Jason's origins of why he hates facial hair. Like maybe someone at Crystal Lake. No, no, overthinking it. Uh, the Adam Marcus, <laughs> the director, has like said that this is the thing he gets asked the most. And he said the only thing he did it is because he knew who would be asked about it, and it would be like it would age well. Oh wow! So I was I just ah. wanted to I wanted the gay shit in this <laughs> because it's uh, I'm progressive <laughs> and it, it would be cool in the future. It felt weird that he would just take his clothes off and be like, okay, I want to be naked in my new body. I want to be like a baby. Like, that <laughs> was weird. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He, he takes off the clothes, he shaves him, and then he puts the clothes back on after taking over his clothes. body. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I, I, I thought, like, maybe there's something with Jason really hates, like, facial hair because it ruins his mask. Like, he can't wear the <laughs> hockey mask properly when he has a mustache or something. But nope, 
he just shaves him yeah. because the director wants something homoerotic and i think it's one of the best scenes visually in the like i'm, I'm gonna be honest i think that the the lighting in this movie the direct like they did a really good job with the lighting there's a lot of like um foggy rooms in a way where the you can really like it, they're not yeah. really afraid of showing the, the showing the sets and so on in a way that's it, it reminds me of the first hellraiser in a way that's, yes mm-hmm. yeah. uh it does it's like it's a lot of dark settings but you can see everything very clearly which yeah. i like watching a horror movie these days i appreciate a lot i'm thinking that there are a lot of scenes in this movie where you could go like if they wanted to make this more or like uh, like uh, maybe like if you're thinking of something like uh, in the ma- in the mouth of madness, they would probably obscure things more and do more quick cuts because some of the practical effects like it doesn't matter how good they are, they're still gonna look plasticky if you have a full bright light on them. And this movie doesn't really shy away from that. They kind of show everything oh. without it being like in a completely lit room. It's actually. It has atmosphere without being dark. No, and you appreciate. you mentioned Hellraiser. There's the scene where uh, after he possesses the guy, he straps on. Uh, it's just, it always established that uh, like the bodies Jason possess won't last very long, and he needs to uh, possess the body of another Vorhi to like become alive again. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's the scene where he like leaves this body, and the guy starts melting, like his I face gets like part of his gets stuck. It's such an amazing the practical effects yeah. are it's, so great th- there's one shot of that when he's like it's the final stages and you're like he's lying down and you see like the the rib cage starting appearing mm-hmm. and i thought it was visually fantastic one thing i can say like that i really like about uh, those transformation scenes and the, the whole scene with that guy because i think it nails the whole thing about practical effects where practical effects don't really need to be like um very uh, physically intricate for them to work like you don't need a lot of wire work and like animatronics for those kinds of things to work because in this scene the only thing they do is like they show this uh, the police officer after he's uh, like transferred his jasonness to the uh, other to another guy when he starts melting you, you they sort of establish and show that oh it's actually the old police officer realizing now that he's like he's back oh yeah he's and back he's, yeah. yeah and he's the one who's experienced all this pain and uh, on top of this they have a lot of noise like uh, a lot of uh, like foley work sound work and effects to make sure that you sort of hear that his body is decomposing and it's like convulsing and ev- they sort of uh, cut back and forth between the new jason and the jason body that's dying and as they're doing this they're not really like it, 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 it's not his practical effects aren't like animating they're not moving around or anything it's just him uh, like uh, acting and then it cuts back and then it cuts back to him again and now, then they show a different stage of the sort of uh, the deterioration and as you're doing this like you get the sense that something is happening but you never actually really see him like him actually physically melting it's just they just show like stages of the melting and you understand that it's happening because they have the sound work and they have the acting and they have like the cutting back and forth yeah. Which I think, because if if this movie was made today, they would have to do the whole thing CG because they're like, oh, we can't have it be static. Like you need to see his face actually melting, like in real time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I this hits like a sweet spot for like 1993. It's like you know, digital effects are coming up with this shit, and but like the practical effects are very well developed at this point, and like a few a few years like in the future, be less and less of those. So I, I like this era of movie making just because the practical, practical effects are so well developed and 
intricate, so wet throughout the melting. And I think like if they made this movie today and if they showed it to a, like a, a regular like Zoomer audience and they had actually like if they like if you showed this to a regular audience today like a nineteen year old audience a lot of them would be laughing like they would find all of these effects like stupid or silly. It's just us like older like uh, old uh, grandpas here like talking about how good uh, practical effects are. But I think if you would have this movie and we just shoot it a light, like slightly less lit up fashion, I think it would still be as effective visually. Like I don't think a lot of those nineteen year old kids would watch this movie and go like, "Oh, those effects look silly," because they, it would be like very effective still because the visuals are there in terms of the practical effects they are they are yeah. using. And uh, again, fun uh, fun fact: Ad Marcus stated that if he were to like do a a director's cut and go back and digitally alter anything in this movie, it would be to fix the spelling mistake of Voorhees that is on a prop outside of Voorhees' house. They spell the Voorhees wrong. What? How did they spell it wrong? I think they have they're missing an E. Which is Voorhees. Voorhees, yeah. It's a Dutch guy this time. Uh, so from this point in the movie, the, like... I'm not really sure I can actually summarize because I mean, at, at, at up to this point, um, Jason kills his sister, and uh, um, the Steven, the the, the ex boyfriend of the sister's uh, daughter, he gets arrested for uh, killing her. Yeah, and he meets the bounty hunter who's in prison because he was taunting one of He's the. He's also been officers. arrested. Yes, and here yeah. and what follows is another very. Uh, erotic scene uh, of the finger snapping, and which, I can say I absolutely love this scene. But go on, it's so yeah. So what happens here is um, what what actually happens? He he talks to he talks to Duke, the bounty hunter, and about what's happening. And Duke he says uh, that I know the way to kill Jason, but it's going to cost a lot. And yeah, and like he knows that Stephen knows that like his ex girlfriend and his daughter are in danger because they are both Voorhees. And, and also Jason we, needs to possess a Voorhees body. So he, he needs information on how to kill Jason from Duke. And we can establish, like, uh, at this point we need to establish also, they never tell us how the bounty hunter actually knows how to kill Jason. No. They never <laughs> they never explain that he, like, saw some ritual or some text. And there's, he, he apparently he's not in any of the previous movies, which I thought. He's he not? No, no one is. <laughs> Oh no. The and only returning character break... is Jason. Why did he take breaking fingers as a form of payment? Do we know anything about that? Because I no. was very confused. It's just, ama- it's just an amazing scene. So information has yeah. a price, and the price in this case is snapping fingers through prison bars. And this scene also has one of the best quotes ever, where he says, you're too much of a coward to afford it. Which I think... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just says the bounty hunter, uh, he has that perfect like pitch perfect level of camp while at the same time like he he's chewing the scenery but it's not like it's not silly like he's, he's really looking good. camp right in the eye <laughs> uh, he also has another one of my favorite lines in this movie uh, during the interview sequence uh the interview asks him like okay i say jason Voorhees, what do you think of and he replies I think of a little girl in a pink dress sticking a hot dog through a donut. <laughs> and I thought that I, at that point, I was like, okay, I, I assume it's something they have established in previous movies I don't know anything about. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, so uh, it shows he, so he finds out from this bounty hunter that the only way to kill 
Jason is like Jason needs to get another body of a Voorhees, and that's and that his uh, Steven, his uh, ex girlfriend is the what's it called like niece, the, ni- ni- the of niece Jason. of Jason, the niece of Jason, and uh, I don't know what the, the the familial definition would be of the, a niece's child, but grand niece. Yeah, Jason needs his ex uh, his ex uh, Steven's ex girlfriend or his ex girlfriend's daughter or also his his own daughter because apparently he's the father of the child which they never don't really talk about why or how but he needs those but one either of their bodies to continue living because he can't live in any other body until then so this shows after he's been snapped like after all of his fingers have been snapped by the bounty hunter he calls for his uh, police officer friend who earlier on they established that oh yeah you you couldn't have killed her. You couldn't have killed her. Like, I'm going to get you out of here. And then he says, I'll come over here. Like, he broke my fingers. And then he gets close to the, to the like, the gate uh, through the bars. And Steven takes the police officer and, like, smashes his head against the bars. Takes takes the guy, uh, the police officer's pistol inside his head and goes, yeah, you need to, like, uh, let me out of here. Let me out of here. And then he gets out. And he's trying to find, uh, he's trying to get in touch with his ex-girlfriend uh, and protect her, and at the same time get her to kill Jason because it's the only way for Jason to die. Which Duke also knows for reasons. Yeah, yeah, Duke also knows this. And from there, in the meantime, um, the I guess we should establish uh, the daughter's name. I think her name is Jessica. Um, her boyfriend, the television host guy has found uh, Dvorhi's old family home and gone there to oh, uh, shoot a sequence for his TV series. And he has this phone call where he said, oh yeah, I took <laughs> the mother's uh, body from the, <laughs> from the morgue and then I went home and fucked uh, her daughter. So he's like planted the mother's body there to shoot a sequence for the, uh, his TV series. But while he's there, he gets attacked and possessed by Jason. Yeah, so the yeah the host, uh, the TV host guy is they established pretty good in a good way that yeah he's uh, sleazy and he's an asshole, and he's doing all of this to get some money. I think one of the funny parts about the scene when he's in the divorce his house is that he's just talking, and then you see in the background the body of the melted the the previous host of Jason was melted, and also. Is is this the same scene where they actually do the connection to the diff- the other universe, which is Evil Dead, where they find the Necronomicon? That is the actual Necronomicon that was used in Army of Darkness. Uh, Adam, Adam Marcus visited the set. He was such a big fan of Bruce Campbell, and he he couldn't do it, but he wanted to, like, without mentioning any names, sneak in as many other references as possible. So yeah, that's. Uh, I think his logic was to establish that. Uh, Pamela Voorhees, uh, Jason's mother, uh, used the Necronomicon to bring her son back to life, and that's why he he is this way. Why he can get killed and come back because he's actually a what, what do they call them in in Evil Dead? Uh, uh, deadites. Yeah, he's a deadite. This is yeah. this shot is supposed to establish, but yeah, that's the actual Necronomicon. Yeah, and uh, when I saw that, I just went like, oh, that, that that's a very Necronomicon looking book. Is this like? They, they never established that the Necronomicon is involved or whatever. And then when I read the Wikipedia that it was actually the Necronomicon, I went, what? Like, what? 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 Like, how did they make 
a Freddy versus Jason, but not involve Evil Dead. No, he just That's... asked uh, Sam Raimi for, for the Necronomicon and he got it in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> and Sam Raimi apparently loved the whole concept so much that he wanted. Like, I think that if they said today, if they asked Sam Raimi today, can we make a J- Freddy versus Jason versus Ash? I think it would be greenlit pretty quickly. They've done that in comic books. Yeah, but who cares about comic books? Uh, yeah, true. So he gets out of prison. Uh, Steven gets out of prison and then he goes to the Vori house where the daughter... Oh, by the way, we also get, I don't know if it's at this point, but we get a shot uh, where someone falls through uh, some floorboards in the Vori's house and you see a crate that says uh, Julia Carpenter Arctic Expedition. So we also I... get ties to the thing there. I also saw that and I thought, like, is is that a is that a John Carpenter reference? Or, yep. or am I overthinking this too much? Because it felt like it was, it felt so out of place. It is. Had, it doesn't make any sense. But it, it, yeah, he loves Carpenter. We might as well throw in the reference there. Yeah, but it's also <laughs> stupid because John Carpenter. There's no one in in the thing who's no. named Carpenter. <laughs> it's it's like I thought. Is is this movie actually in a in a world where the thing is a movie? I think that would make more sense than it actually be in uh, John Carpenter. I suppose. Yeah. So she comes. Uh, the Jessica comes to the house, and now the uh, the Jason, who is in the body of the police officer, that uh, he or, it, or has he taken over the? No, he took over the body of the sleazy t- TV guy, who is the now boyfriend of Jessica, if yes. I'm remembering. And then uh, Stephen comes there. And it's like, I'm going to save you, I'm going to save you. And then he runs out, takes her with her. And then he runs over and supposedly kills the TV guy. And she gets pissed off and is like, no, get out, get out. You killed him. And he's trying, like, he's trying to explain to her that, no, I didn't kill him. Like, if, I, if, he, was, if he was the real him, he would have been dead by now. But he's not. And I can prove it. And she doesn't listen to him because yeah, this guy just ran over her boyfriend. And like this ex, ex-boyfriend of hers just ran over his... Her new boyfriend is trying to convince her that no, I actually, I actually saved you. So she drives away, leaves him off the side of the road, and then the police officer who got knocked out at the station comes and picks him up, and it has one of the funniest scenes in the movie. Like it's almost Edgar Wright levels of humor when they're they start fighting on the side of the road, and he says like, "Oh, you're gonna come with me," and he says like, "Why should I?" And he says, "I have a gun." And then Steven replies, like, well, I, I also have a gun. And he takes it out. And then, I'll, like, on one second, they both start pointing their guns at each other and start talking. And then she, he hears from the police, uh, Steven hears from the police officer that, no, Jessica is actually at the police station right now. So he goes, oh, take me in, take me in. So they go to the police station and he has one of the most, like, I, I think I legitimately, like, threw my hands up in this air and went, like, what, what? Which is the scene when they get into the police uh, station and Jessica com- comes running because now Jason has come to the police station to kill her and he has gone through like the whole place and he has like been smashing heads and killing at least two police officers and Jessica comes running around the corner and is like help me help me and Stephen who is wearing handcuffs behind his back like does a complete jump and then j- Liv puts his arms around under his feet as he's jumping then elbows the police officer next to him takes his gun and starts shooting the guy behind uh, Jessica that is also Jason. This whole and, scene has such an amazing flow to it. Yeah, and, and it, 
it, it felt it felt almost modern. I, I, I it was like this is something you would see in like a really good modern thriller movie or something. It, it felt so it felt so refreshing and cool, and that I was surprised. And at the same time, also the bounty hunter gets out of prison, so he gets. I I think that's the chain events because a lot of the movies is going back and forth. You can't kind of can't keep track of when's who's getting out when and where. And then they take. And then, so now we're getting into the final act of the movie where Jessica is kidnapped and taken to the Vori's house where the Jason, the new Jason is and he's holding her and he's gonna use the baby's, uh, baby's body to... No, no, actually they, the, they, the shot before that is when they go to the diner, right? Oh yeah, because the, uh, Jessica left the baby at the diner. Yeah. And um... They all get why did there, she do that? Show stuff. I don't remember she, why. She's but it's very loosey goosey with leaving her baby because she's not really with her baby for most of the movie. She just leaves it. Yeah. Uh, she leaves it at the, uh, the woman who works there. Uh, but you also oh, there, and then she took it up. to the diner. Yeah. Yeah. There's a big shootout at the diner. Jason kills everyone there. Uh, but then in the end, it's Duke who ends up grab snatching the baby, like sneaking in and yeah. taking it, and he, he goes to the Borges house. Can I just say that I really love that kill where um, the chin just like went into the the fat lady. So, I just yeah. really love that one. And She's also been talking seeing, like, so much stress the whole movie, and then just getting her like mouth yeah. smashed in is also satisfying. I fucking love that. And Leslie Jordan playing a straight man—that was also a new thing for me. And he also kind of died in a very bad way with his face being fried off. But that's what you get for being straight, I guess. No shame. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> also in this in this scene uh is the, in this one right when she impales Jason uh the the woman who's taking care of the baby that was working at the diner who was the co-worker of Jason's sister the mother she gets impaled like she impales Jason and then she gets impaled herself if yeah, i she, she just runs into him with like a thing and stabs him and he just grabs her and stabs her as well yeah, because they don't really show her uh, like him taking and grabbing her, so she starts bleeding. And I thought, like, okay, did, did no? Did I he, think I like... saw him pull her in. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. It, it was a very close-up shot, so you didn't really have a lot of momentum to show visually. Yeah, that's like uh, uncharacteristically unclear like action sequence for this movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, by the way, another kill we forgot to mention earlier that I really enjoy is when uh, the door, the cor- the corner kills the second corner by smashing his face uh, against a metal table and it has like holes in it and his uh, his flesh his face uh, face flesh comes through the holes in the craziest <laughs> pattern like a almost like a waffle kind of thing really good yeah, that was gorgeous oh, yeah. yeah it's a it's a my fave was one that we didn't really see that where he just smashed the car door uh, into that woman's neck i don't know why i love this one i love that it was just short lived and it's straight so to the quick point. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, I I love it for just how effective it is. It, it's like it it really establishes that Jason isn't like Jason isn't the guy of theatrics. He just wants to he kill doesn't people. fuck around. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So he is like he 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 sees them getting into car and he just starts doing like his slow walking. Uh, no, it's fast. Like what do you call it? Fast walking or like? I long, thought this was a take... fake out. To be honest, I thought they were just yeah. gonna like fake this out, but she really died. <laughs> And so he takes these really long strides towards the car when she's about to get into it, and then he uh, smashes the car win- uh, car door 
into her, so her head gets like uh, like completely crushed between the door and uh, like uh, above, like the top part of the car's uh, like uh, ceiling, the roof, and her head kind of looks like a pillow that just get like a rice pillow that gets very rubbery. Mm. Uh, yeah, I I I loved it because it it was just so. I, I think it's the fact that they cut away makes it so much more effective because they yeah. it, they show like her head getting crushed for two frames or something. You, Another really quick, quick one of those that's really good is uh, the son of the diner's owner. His kill. He goes out to get the police and Jason fires him. Yeah. Uh, he tries to punch Jason. Jason just blocks the punch and snap his arm, and we see like the bone come out of his uh, uh, his forearm, and it's. Oh, so quick, so gory, so nice. And then cut to the worst actress that was by the door in that diner with her scream. <laughs> I was like, okay, should have chosen a different one <laughs> for this thing. So they get to the Voorhees house where now Duke is there with Jessica and he is, he gives the baby back to her and says like, okay, I just need you to get here because I need you to actually kill Jason. Here's his magical dagger that's going to kill Jason. And do we do they actually establish how they get he got the dagger? No, no. Do we know such a dagger exists in the universe? No, 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 no. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. No, no, they don't. And they don't explain either. And this is the. So the guy is there. The, uh, the news, the new, like the TV guy who is the sleazy person. He is trying to get the baby, but then they knock. Uh, I think is it Steven that comes in and knocks him over. Someone knocks Wasn't him over. Wasn't he already in the police officer? No, he's been in the TV. I don't think the TV guy made another appearance, or maybe I missed that. I think he just no, he's like he's he's uh, once he gets possessed, Jason stays in the TV guy for like quite a long time, like the whole yeah. diner scene, and then he is asked him when he comes back to the house as well. But he gets knocked no. over. No? Wasn't he the police guy? Because he came in. There was two policemen that came in, and no, that, that was late. That was that like... was. Oh yeah, was it? Yeah. I think so. I think. I mean, they came back to this house too many times for me to like count, or like I got confused at this point. But yeah, no, yeah. I, don't, I don't. Anyway, uh, whoever Jason is in gets knocked over, uh, and then Stephen comes in. The dead Steve... mother. Yeah. No. Uh, first off, Stephen comes in and uses a machete that he found at the. No, no. I remember now exactly how it happened. They show uh, like. Uh, they show a, for a POV view of the, someone arriving at the diner and finding the body of Jason. Yeah. Because uh, Jason got impaled by the woman who also oh, yeah. got impaled at the same time. Uh, so they show the scene of, uh, of a POV view where, of someone getting attacked by the corpse on the, on the floor. So you don't, like, you don't know who is actually possessed now by Jason. Oh, and yes. then yeah. two police officers arrive at the same time at uh, the Voorhees house and uh, at the, at this time, also Duke has fallen down into the floor, and he got his leg impaled. Because I think everyone in this, yeah, everyone in this movie gets impaled by uh, like a steel bar or something at some point. So he's stuck <laughs> at the bottom floor, and he, she's screaming like, "Who should I kill? Who should I kill?" And he goes, "Kill all of them! Kill all of them!" Because all of them are gonna be uh, Jason. <laughs> it's a so, rational man. Yeah. So sh she accidentally uh, she stabs. Uh, one of the police officers, and we find out, oh, it's not that guy. It's actually the younger guy uh, who was the friend of uh, Stephen. And then Stephen comes in with the machete that he found at the diner, and he slashes uh, the, the sheriff's head, so he falls down. And this is when we get 
uh, a baby demon infant Jason crawling out of the head of the body, and it starts crawling around on the floor like the facehugger scene in Aliens. Am I correct? I just have a quick question here. Yeah? Uh, the thing that confused me the most was, like, every time Jason was in a new body that was not his, or even when, it's in, when he's in his, I've never heard him talking. And I thought that this was something that he can't do. But when he came as the two officers, both of them spoke. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I was like, oh, yeah, he's in neither this, of them. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. This, uh, I haven't thought about this, actually. Uh, uh, but, yeah, no. This is, the, I guess, technically the first time ever you hear Jason speak. From, in nine movies. I guess, I mean, they throw the logic out the window to create this, like, cool uh, red herring kind of thing. Like, yeah. who's the real guy? I, I think it was... I think it could have worked if they had at least like one or two scenes of Jason like saying something short, but they're kind of establishing that Jason cannot speak a lot. Yeah. So if you had like the coroner as Jason saying one thing or two things or something, then it would be a lot easier to stomach the scene because up until that point in the movie, every time Jason has possessed someone, they kind of establish that Jason can't talk or Jason doesn't want to talk. Exactly. And now he comes out and he starts like, no, it's actually me, Jessica. I'm here to help you. <laughs> and then... Uh, it was pretty eloquent. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the demon baby infant thing crawls out of the head of the police officer Jason uh, took over. And it's a really cool scene, in my opinion. It looks very, it reminded me of uh, like an R rated Tim Burton uh, kind of thing, if I'm honest. Like, it, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it is, it's also such a weird thing to have like such a cool creature effect in a Friday 13 movie. And also, it also feels that silliness of. Uh, of an of a creature because they show these scenes of they cut back and forth of the of the creature crawling on the floor and this is the same shot every time of, of the creature like going crawling really fast where they just like dragging it across the floor of on like a vaseline floorboards or something and at that time they, they cut back to jessica and steven like looking left right up and down like where is it where is it and it's like <laughs> it's crawling on the floor like it's like what do you expect is it flying no, because at that point, audience is just seeing it just sliding across the floor, the same shot over and over again as they're trying to get a dagger to kill it. And then it falls down the floor and it finds the old body of uh, Jason's, of the mother, who is also Jason's sister. And this is when Steven goes, oh, th does, does Jason have to possess a living Voorhees? And then the Duke, the bounty hunter, says, no. He doesn't have to, and it goes like, oh, because the mother is down there, and he's so well educated in the lore. Yeah, yeah, he know. knows exactly <laughs> everything about the Friday the Thirteenth lore. So the real Jason pops out of the floor with the the Kane Hodder, Kane Hodder playing him again with the hockey mask mm -hmm. and everything. And I kind of wanted to see the transformation. Like we only saw the little, but then, uh, uh, like I wanted to see how like he transformed because it happened so quickly and I didn't think it's going to be when like he takes that. over when he takes over the mother again I I went like I I legitimately said they actually went there which is a scene when they show the small creature crawling up under the skirt and getting and like being sucked into the vagina of the dead mother and I thought okay I didn't know okay I knew Friday the 13th were sexual but I didn't think they would be like Oedipus sexual or something and they, when they kind of did uh, Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct with that shot, because uh, the actress who plays uh, the mother, she wasn't aware that that was shot. She saw it for the first time in the in the cinema. No. She felt a bit violated, but it's like, oh, in the end, yeah. I mean, 
I was pretty mad at them, but I mean, it's a cool scene. Did, did they use a stunt double or like just a mannequin? Yeah, or something for her. Yeah, you just you just see her like her legs and the skirt. You don't see like the whole. Body and they were yeah. wooden. That has to be a reshoot, though, because I think earlier in this movie, when they show the mother down in the basement, they kind of show her lying on her side or something. But when you see the top-down shot of the thing crawling in, it's she's lying flat on the on the back. So I think they they had one scene, and then we're kind of like, okay, we need to like maybe we need to have a more sexual aspect to it because <laughs> sexual people get killed in this As movie. If the movie wasn't sexual enough. Yeah, it wasn't sexual enough, even though we've seen like five showering scenes that didn't have to be showering scenes. Like I, I thought, I thought about that earlier in the movie when. Jason finds the when he tracks down the woman who is actually the police officer in secret who is uh, luring Jason out. Is Jason attracted to like if he if he knows or hears that a woman is showering somewhere naked alone, does he go there? Because she she could have just gone to the house and been there alone, but she had to go into the shower and they had to show her naked for the whole thing to work. So, no, his booby sense is tingling. Yeah, he, I, he, he, no, but that's a uh, that's whole sequence is like. Literally, like, okay, let's please the audience. Let's put uh, like a, a standard Friday the Thirteenth movie in a seven-minute segment and just throw it in there. So it's there, and it, but it's a fake out. Uh, it's it's like it yeah. is literally like a whole movie in a few-minute sequence. So <laughs> at this point, uh, Jason is he goes out of the house. I think they somehow end up outside of the house. With, he grabs um, someone through a window yeah, in classic it, it, Friday Yeah, it's Steven. And then, for some reason, even though Jason has been pretty efficient up on this point in the movie, he just plays with Steven in the most toothless manner ever. Just, like, picking him up and just throwing him, like, two meters away. Like, he had so many, so many times when he could have just crushed his head, but he didn't do anything. So, they keep on fighting outside, or rather, Steven gets a pummeling, and then Jason gets some knocks to the head with a shovel... At the same time as Jessica inside the house is trying really hard to get access to the dagger. And then they get out and she she jumps out of the building and land, lands on top of Jessica. Uh, also, uh, up until this point, uh, Duke, he got bear-hugged and killed by Jason. And they go like, oh. He, he cuffs himself to Jason so that Jason won't be able to reach them when they're trying to get the dagger who's, that is stuck on, under the big uh, bureau or like the cabinet they have and then jason picks him up and does a bear hug and completely crush him as duke is saying are you gonna die today son of a bitch which i i think he he, he was just too cool to care about if he was gonna die or not so jason gets stabbed by jessica and then the big trouble in light uh, big trouble in little china lightning starts shi- shooting everywhere and they start shooting back into jason as he's now starting to become Sucked back into hell, and then eventually Steven, I think Steven or Jessica, I can't like I can't remember who did this, but someone one of them punches the knife deeper into the heart to really kill him. And this is when I think the coolest shot in the movie begins when they, they're standing on this like sand playground or something, and these big like rock hands start coming up under the drag me to hell yeah and mm-hmm. and uh, no one else here i think have seen noah but they kind of remind me of the big stone golems in that movie when they're like they come up out, out under the sand and they start trying to drag and drag jason down yeah. and at the same time they also try to drag drag down steven 
And Jessica is That's standing. That's second Noah reference on this podcast. I'm going to count that every time until we watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If only there was a media he can force us to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got to think about that one. I, to be honest, I've never actually. I, I didn't. I don't want anyone else to watch Noah because I know <laughs> no one is going to like it as much as I do. Everyone is going to mock me and hate me for liking it. So Jessica is standing there and you're seeing Jason and her boyfriend or ex-boyfriend starting to get dragged down into the sand and i thought like would this be a fake out where she would go like no i hate both of you equally but then it just turns out that she was like oh oh i didn't see that you were about to get dragged even though it wasn't like she was looking away or seeing him it just like it just it's just like you see a, a switch flicking inside her head going oh yeah maybe i should save him so she tries to save him and she does and uh, steven gets pulled out of the sand as jason actually gets completely sucked down into the sand and that's it for now. But then, yeah, Phil- and then, yeah, Philip you B- see the, the final shot of the movie. You see the hockey mask lying in the sand, and wouldn't you know it? Out pops Freddy Krueger's uh, knife glove and drags the mask down, and we hear the iconic laugh credits. Yeah. So the reason. I wanted you guys to watch this because I knew neither of you have really seen any Friday Thirteen movie. And Never. This by like I hadn't seen a Friday Thirteen movie up until about a year ago. Uh, I think it was like shortly after Halloween. We, me and my girlfriend, went through a lot of horror movies, and we for some reason we kind of avoided Friday Thirteen. But then eventually we watched one. I was like, oh yeah. yeah, it was it was a movie. It was fine. And then like ah. Oh, a week later, maybe watch the second one, and then we just kind of kept on watching them. Was it comfortable? Like food? without realizing we were fucking hooked. <laughs> and like, yeah, it, it's like at at this point, it's like every time Jason, I see Jason, it's like a a nice warm blanket. It's like, oh, oh yes, here he is. Hey, it, buddy. <laughs> it's so comforting to see him, and uh, so yeah, we just burned through all of them in like a month. And it became like instantly my favorite franchise. And like most of the movies aren't even like they're all pretty bad, but I love all of them. And this specific movie uh, is I, I don't really have my finger on the pulse of the, the fan base, but I think this is like regarded as the worst one, the one everyone hates the most because of all mm-hmm. the liberties it takes with the lore and the character. And that's kind of why I wanted you guys to see it because I think you haven't seen one to see like what someone who doesn't have like any horse in this race has no like made up opinion about the franchise to just watch this movie for what it is because I think it's it's such a fun ride this whole movie. I I think when I I only I've only absorbed most of Friday the Thirteenth like through osmosis. You've kind of understand it without watching them, but. Let's say this movie wasn't the Friday the Thirteenth movie, and it had it began the same way, but the creature, like the the murder in the beginning movie, was something as like uh, visually interesting as Jason character. I would go, wait, why 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 are they not showing this guy wrestling? Movie? Why are they why did they make this really cool monster? And then the whole movie is about this monster taking over regular people and looking like regular people. But I think. That's the only way, without the context of Friday the 13th, it's the only way you can look at this movie and go, why, why, why did they do that? Because otherwise, most of the parts of the movie are kind of 
I think they're interesting, even though there's a lot of stuff in the in the script that kind of like it it throws it fast and loose. Where you go, okay, how did this bounty hunter know about the whole thing? There, there, there are a lot of those kinds of conventions of the movie where you go, are you just gonna have to take it and like accept it as it is because it's a, a slasher movie from the '90s, or this one actually feels more '80s, even though maybe it doesn't look as '80s in the aesthetics wise, but in terms of characters and how they're acting and behaving, like if this movie, if if I told someone this movie came out in '88, I think they would go, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." Like, yeah, yeah. But I think overall, I there are a lot of things about this movie that I that it was actually something I wanted to talk about. This about I feel that this movie is there are a lot of genuine heart to a lot of a lot of the movie. Like there are a lot of scenes and act, aspects to the script and so on where I went like. These people actually came up with a cool idea and were like really happy to do it. But there's also another aspect of the movie where I, I wrote down in my notes here, is this movie meta in the sense that they were like, Friday the 13th is stupid. Let's kill, let's kill it. Let's say fuck everyone who likes Friday the 13th. And then when you tell me about the creator of the original movie, he's the one who produced it, kind of makes sense. Because he went in and was like, everything you like about Friday the 13th sucks. It's only the way I'm. I sub, the only way. It's only supposed to be the way I decided it to be, which is Jason should not have a hockey mask and he should not be. He should not be a specific type of monster. So, when I wrote down in my notes here, like, is this is it sincere? Was it made by Studio XX or is it the big fuck you, fuck Jason? We're going to mock this whole shit. And so, what it, Philip? When you watched this movie, did you you had gone through the whole thing? Did you feel like? Totally, that it was something off about this movie. That, like, did it feel sincere to you? I mean, it feels uh, it feels very sincere in the sense that, like, it you can tell that this was made by people who like had a little passion just to like create something, and like they obviously loved the franchise enough. To, like, they wanted to put this lore in. But they, they felt like they didn't feel bound by the fan base who had like watched basically eight movies that were exactly the same. But would you, if it came out tomorrow that someone said that this movie was actually like a diff, another, like let's say the Die Hard situation where it's like it's a different script that was supposed to be a Die Hard movie and then they couldn't get Bruce Willis so they made Commando or something. Like, would you say that it's that kind of situation here where they found they had someone was really passionate about the certain kind of making a movie like a movie like this, and then someone just told them, "Hey, you need to make it about Friday the Thirteenth." Would you, would that would you believe that? Like, do you think the people who no, made this... no, no way? Like it, it. I mean, it it is the in the traditional sense the least Friday the Thirteenth movie, but like in another sense, it is like the most Friday the Thirteenth because it is like like. Like you guys said, like you didn't understand anything that was going on because there's so there's so much going on plot wise, and it's just like making up for twenty years almost by just throwing everything at the wall and putting like all the lore into one movie. And I mean, it doesn't work. A lot of a lot about this movie doesn't work, uh, but I don't know. So much just works as well because like a lot of the times it is unintentionally hilarious, and a lot of the times it is intentionally hilarious. I think I put this movie in like a specific kind of category that I find that I love, which is the. It's not a movie I like necessarily. It's a movie I admire. More like I watch the movie and go, oh yeah, I I wouldn't say it's a seven out of ten or eight out of ten. I would say like the create the marksman like the, the real like creator aspect of it behind the movie is a ten out of ten. Like I love that whole part of the movie, even though I wouldn't like 
if I brought home a, a friend or something to watch a movie, I, w- I, I don't think I would go, oh, let, let's watch Final, Final Friday. Yeah, well, this is like pretty much my whole like thought about the franchise. It's like, uh, I, I love every single one of these movies. I, I would do when I watch it with someone else and like, you know, putting someone else through it and like, you know, having them shit on it because there's so much passion behind these movies. <laughs> One thing I wanted to bring up that is uh, an aspect of this movie that in the beginning made me go, okay, maybe this is something I don't know about Friday the 13th, but I never got the feeling that Jason as a character was someone in the universe that people know about, because when when the guy is on that TV... That was my question. When yeah. the guy on TV is talking, and he's like, oh, finally, the reign of Jason is dead. I went, wait, what? I thought the whole point of Jason was that like teenagers going to a lake and they w- got killed, and then no one knew about what's happened, because otherwise he wouldn't be able to continue with it for nine movies. Yeah, I think he's basically like a, a campfire story. Like, yeah. Oh, you've heard, like, so, uh, ten years ago, this guy killed uh, these people here, and, like, it's, like, established how all oh, the camp and all the killings, but I don't think, like, he's a famous thing. Because I-, I couldn't imagine someone that I don't think I could imagine like someone at the t- on the TV newscast saying, "Finally, the boogeyman has been killed," <laughs> because you don't think he exists. But I think that touches on a thing in move in horror movies I love, but I don't see enough often, which is like when you take the contained universe of a horror movie and you open up slightly to other aspects outside of it. And it, I think one of the <laughs> one of the things that reminded me most of when I saw this was in Scary Movie, the third one, when they go, like, The Ring. The Ring is supposed to be this contained movie that someone watches and, like, a very few select people dies. But in Scary Movie, it's like, we found this movie, and we're going to show it now on TV, and the whole nation gets possessed by The Ring. And I thought that there's, there, like, it's almost like something Abed in Community would make. And I, I love that whole aspect that Jason, this, like, mysterious guy who's been going around killing kids at Crystal Lake, Finally, like they, they, it appears that the whole nation knows about him, and that the army and the military wants to kill him because he's such a nuisance. I mean, and yeah, I think... it's gotten to the point, but like, what the fuck? Like, this is a federal matter. We're putting the FBI and finally taking care of him. And it's it's like... also like pretty, like it is a bit, you know, this is before Scream, and it does a bit of the meta things. So we have, uh, you have a cameo of uh, Kane Hodder. He plays a security guard at the morgue, and he's. So is Jason saying that Jason was just nothing but a big old pussy anyway? Is is that the guy with the the black hair, the mulletish haircut? That's that's Jason. Ah, oh, because I, I was like I re- I recognize that face so much. It makes so much more. It makes so much sense. But there, I think when I if you look at like the IMDb score for this movie, it's like four point two, and I go, this movie. Like, no one in a vacuum can watch this movie and go, it's a 4.2. Like, no one can say it's a 4.2. It's at least... Like, I don't like number reviews, but 4.2 is, like, babies with Z at the end, the movie where it's, like, animated babies or something. <laughs> That's the kind of movies you see that has 4.2s. And and movies with Ben Affleck and Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Lopez. You don't have a Friday the 13th movie, because then, if you have a movie that is, like, 4.2, it can't be entertaining. And this movie is entertaining, like, there are so many times in the movie I went, okay, this is trash, but it's it's genuine and it's got some heart to it. And then sometimes it's really weird, and sometimes it just goes, "What the fuck? Did, did they just have an infant baby crying, like crawling out of the neck of someone?" 
and it just feels like they found a, a special effect from a different movie and said we're gonna have this in this movie because we didn't use it enough in the other movie there are so many aspects of this movie that i found just enjoyable and admirable yeah i was saying as i was watching it like i i can't understand how someone cannot have fun watching this movie because it's such a joy ride but uh, i'm interested to see what you have to say now because you've been you haven't had uh you haven't had a lot to say so far what do you think that is too fancy oh yeah of course yeah i'm just uh, over this but uh no i i think we just stopped at different plot points uh because i think you had like a different idea of what you found interesting than what i did i mean like i <laughs> from the beginning i felt it was i was in it in it to win it because like the first seven <laughs> minutes that you mentioned i felt very appropriately edged before jason appeared it felt just oh, right they, for me <laughs> oh, yeah, they do they do like you know tickle your bum a bit with the whole like oh the oh. mirror shot that she pulls down it's like oh, yes. no, oh it wasn't yeah there. yeah <laughs> like all of the classic shots where in the second plan of the of the frame you're gonna see jason and he was not appearing i'm like give me more yeah i want five more of these and they gave it to me and i was really happy about that and i was like okay i love um and then the fake out this was if buffy the vampire slayer season three was r-rated this was a scene that came <laughs> straight from that movie and i really enjoyed how like all the limbs bid farewell to each other from jason the little heart popping out i it, amazing like from that moment on i was like okay and i thought that this is where he goes to hell Fun fact, he didn't. Oh, there's <laughs> very little hell in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, misleading title, minus points for that. Um, but then when I realized that he was a body snatcher, I did not know anything about Jason. I was like, okay, now it's interesting because this is like a trope that in horror movies that I really like when you don't know which one he is and he can be anyone. Um, yeah, so I really enjoyed this one. But um, what Pontus said about him being kind of a celebrity this threw me off a little bit because i also thought that he was a campfire story and then him making all the headlines and everything but then i just i was just thinking about it maybe this guy the tv guy when you see his uh, his way of trying to make a story this is probably some tabloid so you can't like trust anything that a tabloid says so i feel like he's only famous in these little circles like mm -hmm. if he if this was real life he, jason would be covered by the sun uh that's how i see it <laughs> or a true crime podcast would be all over him bailey Sarian will do three episodes on him for sure <laughs> are, are you saying that this movie is the reason we actually have joss whedon absolutely <laughs> can i ask why when he was uh when the, one of the guys who was sleeping uh in the the guy who had a girl who was orgasming orgasming when she was riding him why did he say before that are you ready for tony the wonder llama I guess that's just one of those nicknames. <laughs> you know. And he referred to his penis as the pod. Like a pea pod? What was Ew. it? My little pod shrunk is what he said. I also love that there was no uh, sexism in the full frontal nudity. You know I'm all about that. Equality forever. Oh yeah, and this is very intentional. Because like, up until this point, it's been very female nudity dominant. Yeah. And I think they like try their best to have as many naked dudes as well in this movie. And we had and a pod. Quite refreshing. <laughs> we had a, did, had a did we see a dick? Did we see a dick? Yeah, we, we did. Dick, but, uh, did we? I saw a dick. Are you sure? <laughs> okay, I didn't see any dicks. I'm and sorry. I'm not project I mean, I was actively looking for it, so I saw it. Maybe you guys did. I mean, I'm like, always. Register. 
<laughs> Did you? Okay, so we so for, for like full disclosure, disclosure, we all watched the unrated version, but maybe Ned watched like the unrated XX. It version. seems weird it would be PP in the PG version, not the PG version, but yeah, no, the unrated version is definitely the go-to in this case because that's what I watched. I think I think I mean they uh, they shoot this like as an actual movie. It's like the unrated version, and then they cut it for the theatrical cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to like don't have to hassle with the ratings board because uh, they know most people just get the VHS and buy yeah. it that way. And they have like a two minute get the true cut. Yeah, but so Ned, in general, like you, you, are you? You seem a lot more on board with the movie than I have been so far. Like you seem genuinely loving everything. I mean, I think that the fact that I watched it as a first. Friday the the Thirteenth movie kind of helps with that because I was secretly assuming that everything that just popped up as a plot point was something that was established before, and now hearing that it's not, maybe I have to like kind of change my opinion on it. (laughs) But um, yeah, I generally thought that it was it was loads of fun. The only thing that I that I'm kind of insecure about whenever I'm watching like a horror movie from either the '90s or the '80s is that all of them are giving off this campy vibe, and I. I want to know, was this intentional or is it just the period it was made in? And uh, yeah, to me, there was full intention here. This was, this was made to be exactly what I perceived it as, <laughs> but I don't know. Like no one, no, none of the actors in the movie feel like they're ex- like the only one who's going on chewing the scenery or being like, uh, like not bad, but uh, weird acting is the, the bounty hunter. Everyone else Steven kind of acts like Williams is actor and he's, he's, so amazing like yeah 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 but you mean it's that great. he knows that it's it's camp right yeah, he's one only one who goes for like a bit over the top but everyone yeah. else like no none of the other people feel like bad actors that they got because it was cheap like all of them felt like they actually did a pretty good job like yeah steven there are so many there are a lot of times in the movie i was like okay he's he actually knows what he's mm-hmm. doing and it's fun and entertaining to watch him and everyone he else is just this because the, he was actually in the friday the 13th TV series, mm-hmm. and the light. What did there? And are they connected? There's, there's not. Jason is never in. This is like an anthology series. I think I haven't seen this TV series, but yeah, it has nothing to do with Jason, and he's, he's not it's the like, same character or anything. But perfect. yeah, the light. What he did, <laughs> and of course, Kane Hodder. Like he's doing his thing. I think this is his third time playing Jason in this movie, and I mean, the second to last, right? You should know by now. Uh, I think this was Did the last it? time he played the character. Didn't he do him in no. Jason X? No, yeah, yeah, Jason X as well, yeah. But he didn't do him in the Freddy vs. Jason. No. And not so, in the remake, you know. So, Philip, I need to ask you, if do you think slashers are dead now, or do you think they can come back like in the 80s? I I mean, I'm hoping they could. I, But it's like... I mean, there's so much... That's great about this movie that I just can't see be reproduced today because they just don't make movies like this anymore. Uh, I, I thought about that. If they made like a, a follow up to Friday the Thirteenth today, it would have to be meta. Like they would have to make it very like ha ha ha. Don't you see what we're doing here? Kind of meta. I mean, they, and to be fair, in the Friday Thirteenth from two thousand nine, which you'd see the that remake, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, there is some incredible cheesy moments at some point a character says 
uh, that the girl has stupendous tits, which I think is like one of the <laughs> best lines in any movie ever. Uh, so I mean, it is possible, and like, uh, so, I mean, you can replicate this, the campiness, and but I mean, I I haven't seen it, uh, really in slasher form, and I I mean, I even watch goddamn fan movies of Friday the Thirteenth, and uh, one, it was a, they did a, like a, a true meta Friday the Thirteenth movie that's called uh. 13 fanboy which is about, about a guy who like stalks actresses from these movies and kill them and it's so fucking that sounds bad. fun okay no it's fun. not it's <laughs> an awful awful watch uh and it was directed by a girl who it was in one of those movies as well but yeah i i mean i would love for these types of movies to come back in full swing no pun intended but uh <laughs> I, I mean, they're trying to. They're trying to, but they're they're feeling a little bit too Stranger Thingsy. Uh, I feel yeah, like what, what Stranger Things movies are coming out these days. Like for Fear Street, slasher. I think counts as a as a slasher uh, in a oh, way. I, but I hated. Oh, I only saw the first one. I was like quite excited about it, and I saw the first one, and I loathed it. Please watch the second one. The most recent, like quote unquote slasher movie I saw was the Invisible Man remake. I don't know if that consider a slasher movie but not sure the <laughs> knife know, scene was more like definitely a slasher <laughs> which one the knife scene in the restaurant with the sister that was the the most I, flashery uh, part but 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 even that movie it's like they all all slasher movies today need to be like they need to deconstruct and be self-aware because they yeah. can't just be a slasher movie they need to make a commentary on slasher movies like even Invisible Man, that movie has a lot of aspects to it where it kind of goes for a fake out and yeah. the whole movie is this meta thing, like this uh, social commentary thing on on the, like uh, women being gaslit and so on. Like it, mm-hmm. it makes the movie good as a drama movie, but it doesn't make it a good slasher movie. What and, about like, Freaky? Did you see that one? I saw Freaky, yeah. yeah. Um, is that the like, Freaky Friday? Yeah, yeah the Vince Vaughn movie. Yeah. I was I mean, pleasantly it's, it's surprised. Also, uh, it's fine but it is it's yeah it does it does this thing you just described it like brings in a lot of narratives that i mean i mean i care like it about needs the to, kills. It, it, it needs to it needs to it needs to make like it needs to make a point or say something if it's a, a movie today like if someone made another friday the 13th movie today and if it was just a good slasher movie without like trying to say anything or make a social commentary mm-hmm. i think People would just say like, "Oh, what's the point? We already have ten of them." Yeah, and I, I think like also like what I get a kick out of these movies a lot is like, "Oh fuck, look at this disgusting eighties hair! I can't wait <laughs> to see like someone die with this." And like, if someone did that today, it was just it's just a dude. So maybe I would like it ten years from now if I see it. What if what if we start now making like? period pieces of like the early 2000s slasher movie. I mean, we'll like get there eventually because like everyone is doing the 90s st- stuff now and I mean from what I've heard, low-cut jeans are coming back as well. So we're They are. Reaching, we're reaching the, the, yeah, we're reaching the aughts now. So With the G-string showing. <laughs> I can't wait for when we get like the Stranger Things was for the early 2000s where everything is just like a simple plan and a green uh, or like a Good Charlotte and I mean same, but that, like, they, that's like the thing I hated about Fair Street is they do that, but it's it's so 
pointless. It's just like they're shoving in your face, like look at look nineties reference, look look pixels. Remember pixels? That's true. And they, yeah. they don't do anything else with it, but and but just cram it in. They do Stranger Things as well, and like I think like, the second and third Fear Street kind of stray away from that, and I think the second one was the best out of the three. So maybe just but the second one is like I, I didn't watch it because I hated the first one so much. But that's just doing the Friday the Thirteenth right. It's like the I, seven. It's at a camp. Yeah, like Stranger Things. It, it's more like an homage to people's Im- like what they think the eighties was. Because there's like early on in the in Stranger Things, they have one of the kids has a the thing poster, and the thing the thing bombed. Like no yeah. one knew about <laughs> no one knew about the thing until like a couple of years later when the, like after the show takes place. Like the the whole movie, like the whole Stranger Things is just like, hey, remember the eighties? It's like get. This is how we remember the 80s, but it's not the 80s. It's like a, I, a best-of album of it. And it's like, yeah, no no artists make their own best-of album. It's like a studio thing that's pushed this thing out. But it's also marketed towards people that have no idea about the 80s. They haven't been alive back then. So they just, yeah, they do it to please them. They just have the false image of the 80s. So I was, yeah, it, it caught me. <laughs> yeah. So if it, So if we get, like... A TV show or a slash movie that takes place in the early 2000s, me and Philip are going to sit there and go like, no, we didn't listen to that band back then. We listened to Good Charlotte. <laughs> I listened to Paramore. Then the studios are going to love like, you. If, if that's what I want, I'll just revisit movies from that era. Like, it's the real thing. There is one movie that I feel replicates. It's not... It goes more for like a yellow, like 70s vibe. And it does it incredibly well, but I think I'll I'll save that for another time, and we will discuss. I have then. a movie like that as well that I recommend that I think we should watch as well. Which is could the, that be our next like week's movie? Oh yeah, I don't know. Pop, this is up. What's your choice? I can't say right now, but let's say it's going to be Noah, but it's not. <laughs> okay, we don't know. It might be a documentary, or it might be another movie. Curveball documentary didn't expect that one but i i feel that if we're gonna go for like uh we need to have the peaks and the valleys of every like from episode to episode i think it's kind of hard to I'm, I'm trying to find like where do we go after having this in-depth discussion about the slasher movie like where do we go do we go to a boring documentary or do we go to do we go to something else completely like a drama movie like let's see i do a drama so did we hate it did we hate no, it i don't know i didn't i love it, it. I I thought it was quite enjoyable, like uh, enjoyable and admirable. <laughs> I agree. I would put that on the t- I would put that on the cover of the Blu-ray. And most of all, entertaining to me. That's such a big part of movies. Like if I'm not entertained, no matter how good it is, I'm just no. <laughs> I, I can say that there 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 are quite some moments in the movie. Like I would say, look at your phones s- scenes when you kind of go like, okay, I don't need to watch this right now. And I which think, I did. I mean, you can get you can get zoned out watching this movie. But it will like forcibly grab your attention back because something yeah. fucked up happened. <laughs> and also, a lot of those times you have to rewind a bit because like something that happens was so fast that you had no idea what's gonna happen. Yeah, that's exactly my experience watching it. <laughs> but anyway, that was this week's episode. I hope you had a great time listening. We'll see you next week. See you next week. See ya.